car commercials. We've all seen them. Commercials filled with shots of beautiful people driving beautiful cars into the sunset with a payoff slogan about how amazing that particular car brand is. I'm not saying those kind of car commercials are boring. Quite the opposite, many of my favorite commercials are car commercials. Like that commercial that Peugeot did in the 1980s, when a hot air balloon carried Peugeot 205 is shot down in the Alps, hunted on a frozen lake by a huge Hercules airplane, and constantly shot at with hundreds of missiles. A bit like a French cousin of James Bond, and all done before the age of CG. Or those early Citroen films, where they insisted their suspension was so much more efficient than other cars, and proved it by driving on a bumpy road with a chair on the roof, without the chair falling off. While the other car, of course, was much less successful in keeping the chair on the roof. And let's not forget about that classic Audi Quattro film from 1986, where an Audi Quattro drives up a ski jumping slope, proving the superiority of four-wheel drive. But my point is, most car commercials have images of cars in them, but not all car commercials. This year, the agency Forsman Bonefors released a commercial for Volvo, without a single frame of a car in it. The film was directed by Lerke Hertoni and focused on safety. Safety has of course always been one of Volvo's main features, but this time they decided to release 40 years of crash test data to the entire car industry. Because while other car brands have been basing their safety work on all-male crash test dummies, Volvo has also researched safety for women. The EVA initiative was created. EVA meaning Equal Vehicles for All. The film was produced by Newland and they turned to Goodbye Kansas to make their vision come alive. The campaign won the Grand Prix in Cannes and has since won plenty of other awards. So how was that commercial made? How do you convey something as scary as car crashes in a totally new and almost, well, poetic way? So let's drive down Yellow Brick Road in total safety. And let's learn more about how car safety can be conveyed with the aid of motion capture and FX. Hi everybody, I'm Nils Lagren and this is Yellow Brick Road, a podcast about visual effects, games and films. And today we're going to talk about the visual effects in the multi-awarded commercial Volvo the EVA initiative. And here to help me are two key members of the Goodbye Kansas team that worked on the film, VFX producer Linda Ölund and FX guru Philip Orby. Welcome guys. Philip, you've been with us before, for example, when you were a VES Award nominated for your work on the TV series Outlander. Congratulations for that. But you, Linda, you are new to our listeners, so let's start with some introductions. How did you find your way into this lovely VFX business? I started out with film history studies uh, and decided that I wanted to work creatively with films and went for a two-year post-production education. Um, I started working as an online artist in 2000. Gosh, that's ago. 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I started at Fido in 2005. Uh, at the time, as an avid DS artist, I was doing online and grade 
and conform. And I started working as a producer six years ago. Hmm. So let's talk about the Volvo EVA commercial. How did that all start? Me and uh, Anton Söderhell, who is executive producer at Butta Kansas, we had a meeting with Joel Rostmark and Lerke Hertoni from Newland. They presented this idea about a woman uh, built by particles that would illustrate car crashes as a contemporary dance piece. Mm. This would require both a mock-up shoot and elaborate FX work. We bidded the same day and the project got awarded and greenlit the day after. And we started working creatively immediately. Wow, so it only took like two days. You were approached and then you got awarded the next day. Yeah, it was super fast. You, You mentioned the dance as an inspiration. Yes, the idea was um, they hired a dancer from the US mm. that came over and uh, had preps in Stockholm. Philip, was the final style already set in stone or did you contribute in the development of the visual look? Um, yes and no. Uh, I mean, the, the original idea was that it should supposed to be a dancer and we got a style frame from Black Swan. So it's basically one spotlight and uh, the dancer is on a, on a black reflective floor. That was like the, the key pose or the key uh, look in a way. But they wanted like a digital character, of course, um, and very abstract. Uh, and the, the references we got from them were like a LiDAR a point cloud, like when you film with uh, maybe a connect camera or something, you get you get like a, a very fussy image of uh, the people moving uh, in front of the camera and it creates like an abstract uh, point cloud moving through space. But you can still see the the motion of, of the character, but it's very uh, diffuse. Mm-hmm. So those were like our inspirations. But then when it comes down more into like, how should this actually look like final product? Then we went through a lot of different versions of this point cloud, cloud idea. And maybe we did like 10, 15 different types of point clouds with connected lines in different ways. And uh, in the end, it ended up with like a point cloud uh, and connected lines. But uh, it had some progression through uh, throughout the movie, how much points and how much uh, lines have been connected as part of the story mm. in a way. So, I mean, we had an idea, but there was a lot of iterations on exactly how it should look. Yeah, but when you were coming up with all these ideas, was that through still frames, or did you check it in motion, so to say? Yeah, uh, I think I think we always did motion tests, and we had uh, like a test mocap that was not the dancer, but just an, another mocap, hmm. uh, because it's it's the point cloud and the connecting lines and all of these things change from frame to frame, so it's uh, you have to kind of see it in motion to really sell it. Otherwise, if you just show them one frame and then it starts moving, it can be very jittery. And and we had some versions where it was very, very jittery and then we tried to tone it down. So you had to see it in motion. But we also did like uh, like a key art thing and that was uh, supposed to be still frame. And mm. that was treated a little bit differently, but kind of based on the same setup. How what was the motion capture shoot? Well, since the production, uh, the whole production was very, very short, uh, we prepped and had the mock-up shoot uh, six days after production go. Oh, wow. Yeah, 
It was insanely short. They say you got the fastest gun around. Is that what they say? Yeah. Jeez. And since this was Lerke's first mocap shoot, uh, we brought in our old friend, Laurent Clermont, as an animation director, to help her visualize the animation for the parts that the dancer couldn't perform herself. Mm. And also to help Lerke visualize the camera animation for some parts that required keyframe animation for the camera itself. Lerke also wanted to have her own DOP, Rasmus Wiedebeck, mm. to elaborate the camera work and get it as per her vision which was a really good thing. And I think it's the first time that we we had a dolly track and full blast camera team in our mocap studio in yeah, that well, particular way. So so was that real camera then mocapped in a way to be transformed into the digital camera? Yes. So the camera movement uh, that was uh, shot in the shoot was then used in the film. Oh. So, Philip, then the mock-up data needed to be married to FX. And, and I guess all of this kind of happened simultaneously with dev and everything. How did that process look like? Yeah, the, the process looked like when they were in the mock-up studio, they shot with a real camera. So there was video footage of everything that was captured in 3D as well. So they could make an edit of that uh, 2D footage, the normal footage. And then we could uh, take the corresponding uh, captured uh, data and match it up to what they have done in the edit. So we got mm. uh, we got our uh, mocap edit based on their real edit, like a normal production edit. Um, and when that was done in Motion Builder, you edit uh, the tracks to match the o- the offline basically. Then the, that uh, mocap data is cleaned up uh, and sent uh, back to uh, our uh, pipeline uh, in F-Track. So you can then import a moving character um, inside of uh, Maya or Houdini. Mm. And then you can do additional camera work there and then publish a new camera if you want. And then uh, that could be signed off by Lerke. And then uh, that uh, animation, the camera and uh, the character uh, animation will uh, be imported into Houdini. And then we can add effects on top of that uh, moving um, character in 3D. Um, so that's basically how the process uh, looked. It sounds kind of complicated. What's a demanding project? Uh, it, um, the demanding part uh, was to get the look uh, approved on time and then be able to get uh, all the shots out um, as well because there were many shots. It's basically like a music video, so there was like 80 shots maybe. Hmm. Something like this? 42. Okay, 42. It felt like 80. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so that was uh, demanding to get it, uh, get everything out and get the look done uh, and everything. But we tried to set up uh, workflows where we could uh, we could make like one setup, both in the FX part and the light uh, part. And then we could just replace the, the animation uh, or the um, FX coming into the lighting scenes and then have all the shots in, in one one scene, so to say, so we could easily update new effects or new animation and then just push out all the renders at the same time. Hmm. So uh, we had to, yeah, because all the shots are very similar, more or less. uh, So we could have more of a streamlined workflow uh, in that way, like a multi-shot workflow compared to how we normally do it when one shot is one scene assigned to one artist and then the next one here we have to like do everything in a more streamlined workflow. But it worked good because every every shot is very similar. So it, the recipe worked throughout the movie. 
Linda, you, you mentioned that it was a very short production, very intense. For, for how long did you work on it? Yes, it was an insanely short production time. And to be honest, it was quite an achievement to be able to deliver at all during this short time, given that it was a very elaborate effects work and high-end quality. From job go to final delivery, we had four and a half weeks. <laughs> that, that is short. Yeah, it's very short. All right, let's move briskly, folks. There's not much time. And the first week was all about concept design and prepping for the mocap shoot. And after the shoot, we had three and a half weeks for shot production. Wow. And, and this particular TVC, uh, it had 42 shots, uh, animation shots. And uh, to be able to deliver 13th of March, we worked late nights and all weekends to be able to get it through the pipeline. How big was your team? The core team for the VFX part was around 18 people. And in total, with all the people required to do the mocap shoot, concept, model, rig, editing, the entire team was about 45 people. Mm. But you delivered on time, of course, and it went on air and, and then suddenly awards started to drop in. Uh, the campaign got lots of attention. Uh, I mentioned the, the Grand Prix in Cannes. That was only the first of many awards. Uh, how does it feel to, to see something that you produced be so appreciated by people? Well, for me, this was a dream project even though the insanely short production time wasn't <laughs> as dreamy. Uh, but to be able to for once work with a commercial project that had a very strong feminist or gender-aware approach in terms of communication, that felt very nice. Hmm. Also to be able to get the chance to work with Lerke Hertoni, who I have been following since she was very new in the business and have admired her films. That was truly awesome as well. We really need more female directors and, and awesome women in this industry. Yeah. And you, Philip? Um, uh, well, what's the question? The awards? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, well, it's uh, rewarding. I think the Grand Prix is a kind of special one. Uh, it's not uh, many commercials win that uh, wins uh, that prize. So that's cool. And I also like the idea of uh, using uh, the mocap and then go into our uh, normal VFX workflow in commercials. We I don't think we have uh, used that much uh, mocap on the commercials, more on the uh, cinematics. Mm. So it's uh, it's nice to have the whole uh, studio uh, working together uh, on something like this. And it's also like a, an interesting way to use mocap to produce something like this instead of just driving a humanoid or a character. Yeah, it was always a little bit of a question how well would um, the dance, because it's ballet in a way, mm. kind of modern ballet, something, uh, how that would translate into the abstract effects. But uh, it uh, it really it really works. You can get the, the feeling of a dance, uh, even though it's like super ab abstract. And that was interesting to see because we were maybe a little bit afraid of, can you even like see her dance? Like yeah. uh, as it was shot on, uh, on set, you know, then, then you see everything and you see the, every single finger moving. And here, of course, uh, some of that is lost, but the general poses and all of this are translated really well. And so it worked out uh, good. Yeah. It's showtime. I know the EVA initiative isn't a traditional car commercial. It's more of a car brand commercial. Uh, but if we talk about car commercials, there are many great ones out there. Uh, one of my favorites is a Citroen film from 2004, directed by Neil Blomkamp and with VFX by Embassy VFX in Toronto. And it features a dancing transformer type of Citroen. 
But then I'm biased, of course, because I am what people sometimes refer to as a citronist, a person obsessed with citrons. But, but, but it is a fun commercial, I think. Uh, do you have any favorite car commercials, except for this Volvo one? Mm, uh, I would say my, my interest in traditional car commercials are very shallow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one, one that come to my mind that I think is pure genius is uh, the epic split commercial for uh, Volvo trucks that Joel Lindman, who was VFX supervisor on this show, uh, also worked on back in the days, but for another studio. Any mindset to master the most epic of splits. Swiss. Yeah, our friends at Swiss did that one. Very beautiful one. Yeah, I remember that Citron commercial because I was in school then, and so it's kind of like inspirational to see that uh, that Transformers uh, thing. But uh, yeah, I don't uh, know that many car commercials. But it's in- interesting. You brought up the Peugeot in the beginning mm. from the 1980s, and uh, uh, a few years ago, our uh, competitors in in France, Unit Image, they made an updated version of that one, oh. uh, which is super cool. Uh, so it starts out with the same Peugeot commercial that you talked about from the 80s, and then uh, the old car uh, drives across the ice, and then the new Peugeot, I don't know the no- model name, but it's uh, it slides into frame, and then it goes to widescreen, and then uh, kind of that car is being hunted by the bomber plane, and it's full CD everything, <laughs> and then it happens a lot of crazy stuff. So you should check that one out. It's very well made. It's a CG commercial. It's also a commercial. I need to see that one. Uh, maybe I'll just run out from here and watch it immediately. And thank you for coming here today and talk about the great Volvo EVA initiative commercial. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. And you out there, thanks for listening. Uh, mail us if you have questions or suggestions at podcast at goodbyecancers.com. And stay tuned for new episodes of Yellow Brick Road. Until next time, goodbye, à bientôt, auf Wiederhören, wiehörs. Yellow Brick Road is written and produced by Nils Lagergren. The recording was made by Jonathan Forefelt at Goodback Cancer Studios in Stockholm and edited by Leo Krupa. The Yellow Brick Road theme is produced by Peter Blomstrand. The podcast is not suitable for children under the age of free. No batteries are included.